Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So who will be on the bench when Everton take on Arsenal in the Premier League this weekend? Of course, Carlo Ancelotti and Mikel Arteta discussion kicks off this week's Gagampod. We've got all the big talking points in the world of football for you, plus a little look at what might be in Santa's sack for the Premier League clubs. David Wiener with you for the final episode of the year, joined by Michael Bridges and Ashley Westwood. We cannot wait for this. Let's get started. Well, there's no Champions League this week on Off to Sport, but still so much football to talk about. The Club World Cup is on, of course. Liverpool looking to add another trophy to their cabinet and coaching capers and all sorts of shenanigans to talk about. So to do that, Bridgie, great to see you again. Great to be back. It's been a while since I've been on the Gagan pod, so it's a pleasure to be back there. Fantastic stuff. And welcome back to Off to Sport. Ashley Westwood, great to see you, mate. Welcome back. Cheers, nice to be here. You've been, it. you've been up and about, travelling the globe as usual since your last appearance? Yeah, uh, over to India for a bit of Champions League TV. Then I went over to uh, England, just keep my face in, spoke to a few people, a few days at Burnley, uh, went to Wembley with part of the FA, and then uh, all the way back to uh, sunny Australia. Beautiful, well good to have you back, because we've got lots to tuck into. Sunny Australia? Well, have it's you more sunny seen than England, smog? isn't it? <laughs> We're cutting through it here. We're cutting through it here today. Okay, Carlo Ancelotti, Mikel Arteta. That's what we have to start there because it's another week, another coaching caper. Bridgie, at the moment, as we record, neither have been appointed, but everyone's saying they're going to have the job by the weekend. Your reaction as you've seen this story unfold? I think it's incredible to think that Ancelotti would even consider going to Everton at this moment in time. I thought it would have been flipped the other way and Arsenal would have been going all out to basically get him to sign for them. Bigger club. Um, I know they're both a big challenge, but where Everton sit, he's going to be stepping out the comfort zone to go and, you know, that's a real big challenge what he's got on there. Um, and I still think there's a few things he wants clarified regarding the January window, mm. the summer window, but when somebody's floating 8 million, <laughs> allegedly, if a contract become the third highest paid manager in the world, is he really going to turn that down? I saw there was something came out from his agent saying that he's quite happy just sitting in Italy at this moment in time and just chilling, relaxing. I don't think so. I think if there's a, if that, if that it's true that Everton have actually tabled something like that, he would be mad to turn it down, but I'm saying that it's a, it's a bigger challenge and um, I, f- I don't know where I sit with that one regarding Everton and Arsenal, but I'd be going for Arsenal if I was him. Yeah, obviously, if you had the choice, you'd prefer Arsenal. I think Everton have uh, they kind of put themselves down a one-way alley in the summer. They... They went big on signings, which they don't normally do. They've tried to go to the next level, and now they're in real danger of getting relegated. And if they do, on the amount of money they've been spending, and now they're backing it up with a manager, um, it'll make it one of those clubs that could go you know, down again because of the money that's going to spiral. It could be frightening. We've seen it happen before. We've seen it happen with Leeds, Sheffield Wednesdays, Sunderland's, Wigan even. You, know, you spend so much trying to get to that next level, and then all of a sudden it hits you and you can't get out of it. What do you think about Ancelotti? His CV, when you actually stop to look at it, is absolutely ridiculous. Like, name every big club. He's pretty much been there. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, his Italian AC Milan heroics, Juventus before that. 
obviously Napoli ended in acrimonious circumstances, but his, his trophy cabinet is phenomenal. It's phenomenal, but there's this the thing that's going on at the moment. You know, when there's always sort of a, a general state of opinion, it is that Ancelotti has gone into those clubs and got the best out of the players there, massaged the egos, played the dressing room, and got them to their very best. Is he the firefighter for Everton though? Right now, this is what I'm saying, Dave. Everywhere he has gone, they've they've been big clubs that have been in a little bit of transition or turmoil, but never a relegation battle that I think ever... Well, they're not in it yet, but potentially that's the way they are going. So he, he could be stepping well out of his comfort zone here to either challenge himself or to, to pick up that check. And that's why I think it's a, a strange one for him at this moment in time. But um, credit to him if he does do that and takes on a challenge like that. Um, but I, I just can't see him doing it unless he has a big kitty for the end of season or for January, well, even though they've spent a lot. Well, Everton have money. That's the thing now. But if they're going to make him what's reportedly like the third highest paid manager in the, on the planet, they've clearly got money to spend. They're talking about a four and a half year deal for Carlo Ancelotti. He's 60 years old. A, can you see him having the patience or the interest in a long-term remit and also to tackle the big hurdles that Everton have to climb? I think what he's got um, is as a is a player's manager. You know, the, the reports I've had of him, of people that have worked with him, is, is is pretty soft. He lets the players do whatever they want, which is the reason why he got sacked at Napoli. You know, the president wanted him to do a certain thing. There was a, a, a camp arranged and he never went to all yep. that business that we've all read. And he was on the players' side and then the president wanted somebody strong. Obviously, brings Gattuso in. You can see the contrast and why he's done that. I think, but Ancelotti, he's always gone to clubs where he's had a really good squad. And when he's had a good squad, because he's a player's manager, he can do well. If he has to go to a team that's you know, mid-table team and you have to overachieve. I don't think he's got that. I think, but the objective of Everton to start with will be to stay up. His squad's good enough to stay up. So I think you'll see instant results. But whether he can get him to that next level, because he's never going to have the finances at Everton to compete with the top six. He's never going to have the finances to buy the best players. So I think if you want more out of your manager to get them finer margins, I don't think he's the one. What's his to-do list? He, if he is the one, which is all the reports say... Um what are the priorities for this season and then beyond for this club, which has, let's talk, two, three, four years of massive underachievement? It's like Asha just said, the first thing is to get that number of points, the magic number that everybody talks about, to stay in the Premier League. And that has got to be his first reaction. Um, in obviously, the January window, will there be comings, will there be goings? And then you address it from there. Once you get that magic number, then he can build on it. And the money that Everton have spent, they wanted European football. They wanted either Europa League and preferably Champions League. And when you look at the, the team on paper at the start of the season... It's not bad. It's very, very good. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I'm very surprised where they are. And, you know, Ferguson came and made an instant reaction because of the passion that he gave the players. The youngsters reacted to that. Um, but yeah, you, it's, you've got to set targets, and that is the first thing I think he has got to go for. Like Ash said, not sure that Mose Keane reacted like that with Ferguson. Got dragged up <laughs> to eighteen minutes, didn't he? He looks spewing. Hey, hey <laughs> tactics. <laughs> I think Ancelotti will put his arm around him as opposed to subbing him after eighteen minutes. What is, in terms of yes, keeping them up is the is the goal. What's the biggest uh, flaw in Everton that Ancelotti needs to fix? Ferguson's shown just through a bit of passion, a bit of simplicity that you can get a response out of this group. Yeah, I think first thing, he's just got to get the players believing on him. And he'll get that because he's got instant respect. I think, what is it, th uh, three of only, you know, three managers to ever win the, the Champions League three times. Mm. Mm. So he'll, he'll get instant rapport with the players. Like we know, he's all warm. He puts the arm around the players rather than, than scold them, if you like. 
Um, so he'll get an instant reaction, and I think that'll steer him enough to get up, and then it'll all be about his recruitment and, and what he can bring in. You said he uh, he wouldn't have been the one for you guys, but is it a coup for Everton? Oh, to get Ancelotti without a shadow of a doubt, because he's he's a world figure, a global figure. He gets, I should just mention, the players will go, wow, we're getting Ancelotti. The, the fans will be absolutely delighted um, with that as well because of his track record. And like you say, the... What what he's actually won and what he what he's delivered, and so you you can't knock that, and you, you're going to get a lot more of a social media presence. That's what the Premier League teams and teams around the world rely on as well. When they're signing players these days, they also look at what comes on their Twitter feeds and their Instagram followers, because it's all the commodities. And I know Ancelotti does have a a little bit of a social media presence for an older guy. Yeah, I think Mr. Carlo Ancelotti yeah, or something it's like incredible. that. Incredible. So whether it's him doing it or not, it's still part and parcel of what becomes. Uh, the figure of the man that is. Okay, so you said on the last Europa League show, uh, Arsenal's mission should be go out and get Ancelotti first. They haven't. Clearly, this that's all the reports. It's Mikel Arteta. Uh, another long-term deal for him, I think 2023. That's what the reports are. Again, could be in charge, ironically, by the time they play Everton. Um, your reaction to that specific piece of news? I just wish I could be at Mikel Arteta's house or the training ground when he leaves City because he's going to have to get a big wagon because he's going to have that much files and databases that he's going to steal off Pep Guardiola to take to <laughs> Arsenal is going to be incredible. And I think Arsenal are going for a bit of a hijack here. I've got to be honest, um, he's got, he hasn't got the credentials as first-team manager, but what he has been is an understudy to Pep. Um, I know there's, he's had some criticism from ex-players at Arsenal as well who've come out and said he's not the, the man. I think it was, might have been Paul Merson. Yeah. That had yep. said, you know, this is a, a shambles. Well, it remains to be seen because he's been working on a on a, a regular basis with one of the best in the world. So let's see how he goes. And I, I still think it's a strange one. But, you know, why why not when you can get a, a portfolio and, and take as much stuff from Guardiola that you can? Strange in what sense? Strange that they're not going for somebody that has got the runs on the board that knows how to handle big egos at football clubs. Um, he's you know he's still got relationships with some of the players that are there, so I, I just don't. I thought they would have gone bigger and bolder and okay. got somebody in with a bit of. When the players see that manager walk in, you kind of go, "Wow, yeah, here we go." Where I think Mikel will come in, he won't have that instant respect. He's going to have to really earn it. Yeah, it's a, a, a tough one for me. He's obviously got a little bit of experience, three three and a half years under Pep Guardiola, so you know tactically and on how he wants to set things up, it'll be fine. Uh, but whether it's it's too big a job for somebody of that stature, I, I personally think it is. Uh, when you're talking, you know, the, the job that he won't be completely aware of is the media kind of work that you have to do. You know, that's unbelievable. A Premier League manager, you don't even get that much time with the first team. I know, you know, speaking to a few, you can spend five hours on a Thursday doing press. It's that, that big. And that's what he'll, he'll have to face firstly. So he'll have to try and delegate his time, his staff will have to be strong because you can't always get the time you want because of this, you know, the the responsibilities you have to the club in the media department. That's the side of the job that he won't know at the, this present time. But he has seen it with City, with that experience there. He's been sort of allowed, he's sort of seen what Guardiola has to handle in that sense. I, I wonder, given Emery was such a failure and that clearly an Allegri, an Ancelotti, that hasn't worked for them, does just something completely fresh with fresh ideas, a manager who he's talked about his mandate, his belief in the game. Is that like Arsenal's next row of the dice to go, we just need to start from scratch here and actually create a team that has at least some sort of vision or identity? Oh, potentially, yes, because what they would have also witnessed as well is that the, you know, the, the Chelsea, the managers that they've got it brought in, 
They took a punt on Frank Lampard. They knew that Jordy Morris knew the system, the youngsters that were there, Andy Myers. So they've Arsenal have seen that and thought, you know, they had a punt on somebody that wasn't the experience as a Premier League manager. You know, we, we've got somebody that's worked under the best. Let's give him a go. They've got uh, Freddie Lungberger's there. Still think if it's going to be Arteta, they might need to get somebody in that's just got that little bit yeah. more grit and desire behind them that knows how to kind of handle a dressing room when things might get tough and stop players start stepping out of line. Well, poor old Lung- Freddie Lundberg has not been able to change one thing. That just shows sort of how deeply rooted the problems are at Arsenal. Do you give Arteta a chance to come in and make an impact or the problem? How, how big, your, your summation of how big the problems are at Arsenal? I think it's huge. Um, you know, the first and foremost thing he's got to get right is recruitment. You've got to get the right players in there. Squad isn't good enough at this current day. It doesn't matter who's in charge. You can put Houdini in there. You know, he's not gonna <laughs> he's not gonna produce is he, for them at the minute. So he, he needs to get an understanding of targets, who he can bring in, what money's available. Uh, you know, they've always out? had a, huh? who they get out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They've always had a problem at the back. You know, we've got this Ozil, you know, saga going on as well. So there's there's big problems there. And then, like we said, this staff. I know Mertesack is there at the minute. You know, he's probably a, a stronger character, a, a defender, whether he'll stay, whether he'll bring his own people in. But they just seem to be jumping around different philosophies, Arsenal. So I think the problem's big. You know, you've gone from French to, you know, different nationality coaches. Now there's a Spanish in another different philosophy. So it's going to take a while. And there's expectation. And will he get enough time? Wenger smelt this happening as well. I mean, Arsene, when he came in, he had control of absolutely everything. Then he kind of lost touch with the signings that were able to come because you got the football director coming in, you had the um, technical directors, you had the whatever it is that the chief execs. There became this pecking order, and Wenger kind of enjoyed, I think, coaching and getting hands-on, but missed that nitty-gritty of being able to really have control of everything. And I just think too many cooks have spoilt the, spoilt the broth at Arsenal, and it's become this massive, massive disaster. Exactly. In conclusion, are they going to finish top half or bottom half? I still think they're good enough to get top half when you look at what's around. Um, you know, they've still got, you know, Abamang who, who scores for fun, Lacazette. So that's always a big, big plus. You know, strikers that get you 25 a year will always get you in the, in the top half. So I think they've just got enough to be top half for sure. Yeah, top half. Is what uh, through gritted teeth. Through gritted teeth. Well, I tell you who's going to be top half. It's going to be Liverpool because they're going to be top, 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 and they're in action this morning, Thursday morning, as record on Up the Sport in the Club World Cup, where they needed stoppage time to go past Monterey in the Club World Cup to make the final, where they play Flamengo on Sunday morning, 4:30 a.m. kickoff on Up the Sport, of course, from Qatar. Um, a really interesting lineup that Jurgen Klopp rolled out the day after the kids played in England. They got smashed by Aston Villa, and he rolled out an attacking lineup that had Jordan Henderson at centre half. He had uh, Nebi Keita in, in the middle of the park, Oxley Chamberlain. Um, it was job done. Really difficult circumstances to just fly in and get a result, and they'll be delighted that they did and they get the chance to win another trophy. Yeah, and it's obviously uh, trying to rotate things a little bit with an eye on the Premier League. You know, it's a tough travel. Qatar will be boiling hot, be humid. Um, you know, it's unlike Liverpool to get a late winner, in it? You know, they don't do that very often. <laughs> Ridiculous. So it's the uh, same, same old, same old for them, and they'll be happy to get to the final. Uh, you know, they'll, I'm sure they'll be a lot stronger for that. And then, uh, you know, you'd expect them with their intensity, if they can do it in the humidity, to, uh, to take care of business in the final. Can I just ask, Dave, what is the financial winnings for 
the Club World Championship. What's the prize money? Oh, I don't know the prize money exactly, but there is incentive. There's big incentive. Uh, for the for the other confederations, it's a ridiculous moment for them, a ridiculous payday. Because um, when you compare it to the League Cup, getting through the semi-finals of the League Cup, obviously they put the youth team out in the mm. quarters, and then you've got the World Club Championships. It's the, the financial gains from Liverpool travelling, even though it's a, a massive, massive burden for them, the financial gains are huge compared to the League Cup. Absolutely. And that's what they had to sacrifice. Absolutely, and the profile as well. And just quietly, uh, Alexander-Arnold, that assist for Firmino late, he just keeps coming up with the goods. He's like, he's honestly like a playmaker at right back. Oh, for sure. He's a, he's a modern-day winger, like you say, playing right back. But what he does is he doesn't even look now he knows the areas instinctively knows the areas and he's got such quality in his delivery you know the speed the trajectory the whip he gets on the ball you know he puts it on the money nine times out of ten and and what's more key is that the forwards know now so they're on the move before he even as the ball's rolling to him because they know first time he's whipping it in and that's giving him the finer inches and the percentages which gets you on the end of a cross do you know what it is he's very much like david beckham Be- beckham couldn't beat a player alexander arnold can which is a massive kudos to him he, he's got both but there's nothing better than knowing when a player gets the ball at his feet and he's just going to deliver first time. Because I should just said, as a striker, you you don't need to gamble. You just go because you know it's coming in. And there's a couple of players. Do you remember Nicky Summerby? Yeah, same. Yeah. Nicky Summerby played for Sunderland. He used to deliver the ball into the box for himself. Kevin Phillips, Niall Quinn. Never beat a player. Buzzer was, it looked like he ran with a parachute on his back. He was going backwards. But when that ball was at his feet, he just whipped it into the area. And I used to laugh because I was a player, Peter Beag, we played for Bradford. Just going to say, Beags. <laughs> so Beag, we he doesn't mind a check he, or a cut. <laughs> you would make, I used to watch the strikers at Bradford, they would make a run into the area when they saw Beagry on his left foot, and then he would do a, a Cruyff turn. So then the players in the box would have to run back out to get back on side. Beagry would then go to shape with his right foot, and then he wouldn't cross it, he'd do another Cruyff. So the players were doing doggies inside the area. I mean, Beagues was unbelievable. You could fair. follow him in the toilet cubicles and he'd go left and all of a sudden you'd choose the right one. He'd cut across you and he'd have to go left again. He was unbelievable. He did like a dummy, didn't he? That's it. So what Alexander has got, he just delivers it in. And it, it, it's a great trait to have. And sometimes players, youngsters as well, they, they want to have a look up in the area. They delay the crosses. As long as you know your area of the field, just get it in the danger area. Yeah, the ball to Firmino was telepathic in a way. Now, to answer your question, Bridgie, £4 million nearly for the winner of the Club World Cup. Just turning up uh, was £1.5 million just because they make the semi-finals by virtue of being the UEFA team. So it's not small coin. It's not small business at all. Speaking of uh, not small business, El Clasico was on as well this morning. Rescheduled from October, of course, because of the fears at the time of the divisive protests outside the Camp New area over the separatist movement um, in Catalonia, it was a damp squib this morning, Ash. Nil all, so many stars on the field, but it kind of felt like both teams were happy to still be top of the table on level on points come full time and, and worry about the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. A, bit, a little bit of a, a sparring session, you'd say. Uh, locked on 36 points at the top. Um, you know, you looked at the, the occasion, you looked at the stadium and the pitches before the game. It looked magnificent. It was set up for everything. And they just kind of both cancelled each other out. I think Real Madrid were the better side. Uh, They were obviously a bit wary of Barcelona. They played with like a a 4-4-1-1 system Mm. with Bale on the uh, the right-hand side, so being nice and compact. And Barcelona, probably interesting thing, left Busquets on the bench for Rakitic came in. And it looked like it was going to be Barcelona's night to start with because you looked at the lineups and you fancied them, but it was everything but. I think um, Real Madrid enjoyed... Probably the dominance, but final third, both teams lacked a, a bit of penetration and, and the game just kind of uh, petered out. 
And Real Madrid won 5-3 on yellow cards. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> more, uh, anything to take from it? Well, there was more yellow cards than shots on target, so that tells you pretty much what you need to know. But uh, Real Madrid were... They were the better team, um, although Barcelona had one magnificent chance to Jordi Alba just before half-time. But Zizou's never lost as Real Madrid coach at Barcelona. I, I, but Bridgie, we've seen a lot of Barca on the Champions League. I think we both tipped them still to yeah. win the Champions League, but I just don't get with them. It's two steps forward, one step back under Valverde. I still can't, I can't understand. What this. That was a very un-Barca performance today. There was no pace to their midfield. It just seems like at the moment you don't know exactly what you're going to get if the little maestro is not pulling one out for them. I was going to say if he's not on on his game, like to see Barca have one one shot on target in that you know that game that was that's frightening. We did back them both. I really like the way they've been playing in the Champions League, but they have been leaking stupid goals. And we talk about Arsenal going forward, how incredible their front line is and the defense is like you know a, a clapped out car. Um, Barcelona are very vulnerable at the back. They don't. They just didn't have that urgency about them. Well, Testagan's almost been their best player, in, in a way, way, bailing them out. Yeah. Uh, plus, he's got a few assists. They, yeah. That's what I do like. He's, he's actually gone a few long balls as well, right over the top, when, he, when, he's, when he's had to a bit like Edison does for City. I still fancy them, Dave. I really like the way they're, they're, they're building momentum. They're still top of the Liga. They've had a, a terrible start, and they are still hanging in there, you know, because I, I thought it would have been a great opportunity for Atletico Madrid this season after the start and the transition Real Madrid, and they've totally blown a gasket um, mm. under Simeone. So, th- yeah, this was a, a, a dead grubber, and, but I still fancy Barca. This. They're, my, they're my Champions League team, mate. So long as Messi's available, are. Eh? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally don't fancy him. Uh, I think Messi and Griezmann in the same team leaves you very, very short when you defend. You know, they play like a 4-3-3-1 defensive midfielder, normally Busquets, but today was Rakitic, and the five attacking players get caught forward, and it, and it leaves them pretty vulnerable to the back. Um, so I think when you go to that next level and you're talking semi-finals, finals of Champions League, I just think they'll get exposed. Griezmann had the best seat in the house this morning, didn't he? Didn't do much more than that. Well, he had his deck chair out, didn't he? <laughs> just sat on that all day. That's still a bizarre combination. He was replaced by Anzu Fati at 17 years old and, a, and I can't remember how many days. He's the youngest player in El Clasico this century. And he was a month old the last time this fixture finished nil all. So wasn't one we'll remember for a long time, but it means that that Total race goes neck and neck in La Liga into the winter break. There was also Carabao Cup action this morning. We saw Aston Villa obviously trounce Liverpool's kids on Wednesday morning. Um, Oxford United won Manchester City 3, a brace to Raheem Sterling in that with a goal to João Cancelo as well. Uh, Manchester United 3, Colchester United 0. Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial both on the board with an own goal 2 in that game as well. Everton 2, Leicester 2. The bounce back continues under Ferguson, Tom Davies and Leighton Baines in the 91st minute. A scorcher to draw level with Leicester after James Madison and Johnny Evans scored. But it was Peter Schmeichel who was the hero in the shootout and he did save off Baines as well. Peter Schmeichel, has he made a comeback? Did I say Peter Schmeichel? Yeah. How good's that? That's unbelievable. That's just brilliant. That's just that's got to be one of the oldest players to ever play in the that, that's Carabao just, That's just got his uh, Rudolf Red Nose out as well, like he normally does this time of year. <laughs> little Christmas edition. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a brilliant read-through by me. I'm, Bridgie, I'm glad you were listening. Yes, I'm, Thank you I'm very much. I listen to your crap. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Manchester United 3, Colchester nil Ash. Took him a while to break down the deep defence again, and actually in the end they did it on the counter. But geez, Rashford, he's he's becoming one genuine talisman for Manchester United. Yeah, and he's he's playing in a position that, that he likes now. I think when Solskjaer first went, Solskjaer tried to enforce him to be a number nine. You know, he runs in behind if he likes fast, but his his best attribute is playing on the left, cutting inside on that right foot. He's got a fantastic right foot. He's one of those that 
you know, like a Ronaldo, like a David Luiz that can get that little bit of movement on the ball because he, he hits it so clean. And uh, he's definitely he's a counter-attacking player. So when he plays on the left, if he just cheats a little bit in the pocket and Man United breaks so quick, he's lethal. And that's the, how they're getting the best out of him now. They've realised where, where he's better. And it's interesting because he says now, I'm a, I'm a left forward where before I used to think he was a number nine. You know what he reminds me of? When I see him playing in that position, how he just you just said he does that little cheat role. Thierry Henry used to come into that left-hand side. It used to be a nightmare because I remember we had Gary Kelly... Um, right side centre half was Woodgate or, or Lucas Radebe. And you say, who should go in and, and get him in there? Because he used to sit alongside, just off our sitting midfielder, David Batty, and you just go into this no man's land area. And it's kind of like if Radebe went out, you're going to get exposed in the hole in behind. If Kells came in, they had um, Perez running down. He was just the master at it on the counter attack. And when I see the way Rashford is relishing that position once again after saying, I'm not a striker, I'm not a number nine. He didn't have the right attributes to play number nine with his back to goal. He, he looks fresh as, and I love him in this position. You can see he's relishing it now, not only for club, but for country as well. Hey, I wonder, um, Martial scored this morning, but the case for Greenwood starting ahead of him, it's growing, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, Greenwood was the one pre-season. We spent a bit of time with him in Perth, and they were the ones that, out of all the kids coming through, the, the one he w- they were talking about him. I think it's just a type of you know, nurturing him at the right time. Don't put too much pressure on him, but he will develop into a, a you know a future Manchester United forward regular for sure, uh, depending on you know if they don't go and spend fortunes on somebody else. Mm, are they going to catch Chelsea, or does so much of it depend on whether they can get a motivated Pogba back because of that? In a- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ability to break down the deep defences. Your face, I want to see what you're going to say because you're squirming at that statement. He won't get a game. If they're winning, he will not get a game. Will, will he not get a game? Or can he be someone that now that McTominay and Fred have sort of struck up a bit of combination, could Pogba play a little bit further forward? Why would you change a winning formula when they've had so much success? When he, For me, he's a great player, don't get us wrong. He's one of the best players in the world when he's on his day. I just think at this moment in time, you should not disrupt the, what is going on in that midfield area. What about, it, what about getting to yeah. the deep-line defences? he's the one that can play forward, he's the one that can break lines, but I think it's it's a bigger picture now. You know, they seem to have a bit more harmony. You know, they got rid of two real bad eggs in Lukaku and Sanchez. You know, Pogba is not a bad egg at the minute, but he's always on the borderline. You never know what you're going to get from him. You never know what's next. If he's unhappy, he can derail everything. So they may just look at it now and think it's the time to, to cash in while his stock's still high. Can we replace him with some more quality, a little bit better consistent attitude? And that will help, which is what Man United are trying to build. They're trying to get this, you know, culture back that they had 92s, 93s. That's that's what they want, and I don't think Pogba's part of that. Or just tell him to stay sick till the end of the season. You know, <laughs> have another little injury, mate, or I'll have a holiday in Dubai. Just just stay away from the club at this moment in time, or, or cash in. Yep. You guys talking January? I'd, I'd do it ASAP if I if I had any say in that football club, and I'd saw the like Ash is saying about the harmony. It looks like a much more settled bunch. I know not we're not in the dressing room. We might be a very very 
influential character. But again, when the when the shit hits the fan, you do not want people like that in and around your yeah. club. I, th- I think his power, you know, he can take people with him. You know, Lingards, Rashfords, if they're not on it or if they're not in, in and around, a, you know, flying in form, you know, a, a Pogba can, can suck them in and, and, you know, direct them in whichever way he wants. So I think it's it's time to to go as long as they get a good price and they get a, a, a somebody part of the deal or a good player coming in to replace him. Interesting, interesting, because there's a lot of talk that uh, that it might be time to bring him back in. So they're very interested to hear your thoughts on the other direction of that. Um, Bridgie, we mentioned Barcelona in a bit earlier in the Champions League. The Champions League draw was obviously earlier this week. There were some very, very, very tasty matchups. Um, what took your fancy uh, out of that? The been some classic matches there, Dave. I've <laughs> just had to open up my little um, screensaver here to have yeah, a look at we've them. We've got obviously uh, PSG against Borussia Dortmund, Manchester City against Real the, Madrid. The Real Madrid against City is absolutely brilliant. That's the one that stood out for me for a couple of reasons, obviously. One is Pep Guardiola. Mm. Um, he, he missed a Barcelona. He loved his, loved his challenges against Real Madrid, so he needs no more incentive. And I think it was a, if you're going to go and win it, and City want to win it, and Pep wants to win it. These are the team you've got to go, and you've got to make a stance. And this is a great opportunity for them to go and say and showcase themselves, and say, you know, we got a result against Real Madrid. It's going to be a classic, classic game. And then the other one is Dortmund against Paris. That mm. I really, oh. really like. Um, the Dortmund three-three draw the other night with um, was it Leipzig. With Leipzig, what a game! That was just end to end. It was free-flowing football. It was just a pleasure to watch. And I'm looking forward to seeing who comes out on top in that one because it's two again. Very, very formidable forces going oh, forward. PSG, they don't want to go out the quarterfinals no again. Now the club will shut down if that happens. Yeah, I think PSG look look good when they're obviously Neymar and Mbappe back. Um, they they look frightening. I think if you're looking at draws, really the the one that probably teams will be looking at is Atlanta Valencia. Thinking we won't mind facing those. If Absolutely. You, look at, you know, in the next round, who you, who you may on all you take every game as it comes. But how that's, lucky are them too? Yeah, that's the that's the, <laughs> the weaker one. So either of those can go through. Atlanta obviously lost three games or whatever they did in in the group stage and were lucky to get through in the first place. I think Liverpool going back to that Wanda Metropolitano is interesting. Atletico Madrid, obviously where they won it last year. But I think an entertaining one, I think will be really, really open with lots of goals. It could be 6-6 this one is uh, Chelsea Bayern Munich. I think that'll be uh, a real entertaining open game. Couldn't agree more. Two teams who uh, have no problem scoring goals, but they've been letting them in for fun, uh, particularly in the league. Well, that one match that Ash has mentioned there with Atletico and Liverpool, I just want to say something on Optus Sport, Dave. We're going to be doing the games, yeah? We need to get manager cams. Because <laughs> you've got two very animated managers on the sideline there. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Well, I'll tell you what, Schwartz, if, if that's the game we cover, Schwartz won't be too far from either of them. He'll have to duck for cover because... Got to keep an eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. This is an absolutely fantastic matchups there. Tottenham haven't done too badly getting Leipzig. I know they're top of the table in the Bundesliga right now, but they are inex- inexperienced and experienced at this level is everything. And Spurs are reigning finalists with Mourinho in charge. I think that is going to be a huge task for Mourinho and Tottenham. They've been leaking a lot of goals this season. And if anybody can fix that problem, uh, to try and nullify somebody like Leipzig, who are just free-flowing and scoring goals at will, and um, that, that that's going to be Tottenham's biggest challenge. Can you nullify their opportunities in front of goal? Because Spurs will score goals. Uh, it's just how they, how they work on the counter-attack and the quick transition of Leipzig. Rightio, then give us an answer. Touched on this very briefly earlier. Um, I'm going to ask you, Mesut Ozil is now what at Arsenal? Well, I was going to say brave, 
but at Arsenal, you'd have to say uh, an enigma, <laughs> unplayable maybe. Um, he's, you know, he's obviously making news for one reason or another. Um, you know, you'd like to think it's always about football. I mean, if you go back to when he came at the club, you know, the first five seasons, he, w- he was fantastic. I think um, the assists that he got in those, in those five, I think got 19 assists mm. in one season, which yep. is right up there. Um, you know, he was guaranteed to, I think, Chances created as well. He was the top player, but in front of people like uh, Hazard, David Silva, um, any anybody in that caliber, he was top of the charts. Everything, and it's been a you know a slow decline. Um, you know, he's not the energetic player that he was. You know, there's no doubt in his ability. You know, he's a he's a fantastic player. He's world class on his day as a number ten. But his intensity is gone. You know, he doesn't really defend. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. He's got a problem every time he, he gets taken off or he isn't selected. So I think Mesolozola Arsenal has has had his day, um, and he, he probably needs to to move on because he is a top player. Or a new manager might come in and, and completely revitalise him and get the best out of him. Where does he need to go to actually, or where would you go if you were him to just get into your thirties and actually rekindle a fantastic talent? Well, he doesn't need the money because the money's on Arsenal is phenomenal. So it's he's, you know the, there's always options to go. I nearly said go to China, but that is so wrong. <laughs> he will never get into China. They so might do. They might grant him a visa just so they can get to him. <laughs> that, that that was a slip of the tongue. <laughs> hey. um, he's he's just got a fresh start, and uh, you know I don't know whether that's going back to going to the Bundesliga or going to Spain or something like that, just to get away and get a fresh start. Because every time I see Özil now, he reminds me of my son. He's just gone into his teens. He's thirteen. And everything you ask them to do is such a drama. The shrug of the shoulders, the disinterest, the... He just reminds me of my boy, like, it's just a teenager going through the motions of uh, of nothingness. And now that he's... Now that he's spoiled his commodity off the park as well with Arsenal, you know, like mm. the social media side and things that have gone against him with what he said in China, that's a massive, massive revenue burner for Arsenal. Mm. And for him, and the money that he is getting, and you're not performing on the field, and now you're not a commodity off the field, his he's days mm. are numbered. He's, he's a waste of space now for Arsenal. So what you're alluding to, obviously, was the social media posts he put out about what's going on in China with the treatment of a, of a, of a, a region with a, with a Muslim community there. Um, it's, it's very heavy stuff. It's brought in retribution from China. He's wiped from the internet there. You cannot find him there. The US Secretary of State weighed in on it uh, overnight as well. Um, it's very difficult for Arsenal because their game was blacked out in China on the weekend at a, in a market they want a lot of money on. Ozil, Sponsors will be fuming yeah, when they're, absolutely. they're not seeing that many eyes in They've China. They've distanced themselves from Ozil. So it's a really complicated time for him. If you're trying to understand a little bit more about this topic, which is very complex, I've put an explainer on the Optus Sport app, which timelines uh, what he said, why it was so important, what the consequences were, um, whether or not you agree with it or not. He's decided to be brave and speak out for what he believes in, which you can commend him for, but it's landed at him and the club in a very awkward predicament and balanced with the on-field issues that you've discussed it's very very hard to see what happens with Ozil from here so watch this space but it's a yeah a talent that we haven't seen the best of for some time and who knows when we'll see the best of it coming up on to someone that has a bright future ahead of them Bridgie Erling Haaland in January he should move to can we say June? Can we leave, make this question June? Because <laughs> if Leeds United get promoted under Bielsa to the Premier League, he should go to Leeds United. Because I played with Alfie, his dad, at Leeds. I know his son is a massive Leeds United fan, so is his dad. And it would just be a, a match made in heaven. 
Yeah, well, you so want to know January. No, in January, stay at January. Salzburg. Stay at and Salzburg. Then. See this season out and go and follow your dream and play for your beloved cu- your beloved club in Leeds United. Is that going to happen? No. <laughs> well, why can't it happen? If Leeds do go up, I mean, this is a massive hypothetical. Getting ahead, of, I can get ahead of myself because I'm not a Leeds fan. Yeah. Uh, if they do go up and they do get bought by the Qatar investment, why, why can't that happen? Oh, that could happen if the Qatari investment came in. Not a, not a problem because they would be able to offer the wages. Leeds wouldn't have the Champions League money to pay the wages that this player... Holland can get. Um, he wants to play Champions League football. He's proven he can do. He can do absolutely. Do it. I think it was. He's, he f- did he fly into Dortmund? Yeah, had a little chat with them. Um, whether that you know the clubs are obviously negotiating and, and, and doing things behind the scenes. If it's not Leeds United, where would I like to see him go? Um, I'd love, obviously love to see him in the Premier League. And even though it's the arch rivals, mm. I know Manchester United are dead keen mm. to get this lad. So Dortmund, Leipzig, United, they're the three that seem to be doing the rounds. I think so. The reports are saying that Man United are set to sign him and loan him back until the end of the season. I think uh, it, this one, for me, is advisors are key. You know, you have to look at it sensibly. Um, Premier League's the hardest league in the world. You know, he's young, I think 19, 20 years of age. You know, he's in great form at the minute, 24 goals, I think, from 22 appearances. But he needs to think of, where, first and foremost, where am I going to play week in, week out regularly? Because that's what you need. Secondly, where can you score goals to keep your stats up? Um, so maybe the, the Bundesliga suits him better, suits his style better, because it's, uh, it's not as physical as England, but it's obviously fast and, and quite direct. So that'll get the best out of him because he likes to run in behind. Um, and, and keep your stats going. You know, another two years at, at Dortmund wouldn't do him in any harm. He could then be a, a two hundred million pound player. But what you know, there's only a certain amount of clubs that can firstly afford him because they're going to have to pay him three hundred thousand a week plus. And then obviously uh, the clubs that can give him what he wants. So I think you have to think really careful. Uh, Man United, I think, would be a good fit. Although in saying that. It's tough in the Premier League. You know, he won't realise how physical it is until he gets there. I'll tell you what, I should either done his research unbelievable or he's actually representing this player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a court, aren't I? <laughs> i tell you what, if you're representing this player, so you're true. on a good thing too. It's so true though. If What you've got to look at, and agents don't, they look at the dollar signs. And when you've got people that represent these players, to do, it's kind of like we've got our coaches' heads on here. You want what's best for the player. You've got to go in... Like what Aaron Moy did when he left, um, he went to City. Mm. City loaned him out to a team that played a similar style with with Wagner when they were pressing the championship. They played football out from mm. the back. They had a go. They, there's method in the madness because Aaron Moy going to a team that's defensive would have been a nightmare for mm. him. So that's that's very fitting what Ash has said there. So. Yeah, you can see some big moves. The players chase the dollar signs, whether they're from Australia going abroad or just going to the biggest club on... How many have we seen lost? The representatives think of that first move instead of thinking of the long-term future. Mm. Well, speaking of the coaches, head on, Bridgie, as we head to the uh, 2019 winds down, we've got two coaches here in the in the room. So I wanted to pick your brains and see, as we look back on 2019, what caught your eye as coaches? What was the biggest trend, the biggest change, the biggest, the biggest thing that you think shook the game up a little bit? To me, uh, it's got to be Chris Wilde at Sheffield United. Now, if you've if you've watched Sheffield United over the the last eighteen months, they play uh, a five three two. Um, but what's really unique, and you don't see hardly ever, is the two wide cent- uh, the th- two wide central defenders of the three actually overlap the wing backs. Now that's incredible. Um, and when you study them, they play five at the back, and their wing backs play quite deep. But that then allows the the outside centre halves to go and overlap which then they have two players wide which is in, and the goal then kind of like a back four and when you look at it and you, and this is the bit that's clever when you play a back three or a back five you're always left with three central defenders on the, on the on the halfway line if you like when you attack 
and that doesn't give you enough coverage attacking-wise. But what they do, they kind of flip it to a four with this uh, central defender overlapping the wing-back, and then they come to two central defenders giving them the balance. And it causes major, major problems. Nobody's been able to work Isn't it that out. amazing that it's no one's been able to work incredible. it out? And when you study them, uh, the other thing that's key as well, it's not just all about that, is um, most of their players, it's the first time they've been playing in the Premier League, so they play with such an intensity and desire. That's what gives them a good platform. But secondly, most of the players have played majority of their career in League One, not even the Championship. So they but really the, are buying into the system. But they know their roles and responsibilities because they've played this system and he hasn't m- messed himself when he's got the Premier League to say, is this going to work? Can we give it a go? Because they've gone and backed themselves to do it. I thought you were looking at my notes there. <laughs> I was thinking, I'll, I'll, I'll pick out Sheffield United as well because they've just blown everybody away and nobody has had an answer. And I rem- you remember when Leicester went and won the Premier League, the counter-attack under Ran- Ranieri, and then this following season, teams drop right off and said, if they're going to get it, we will just drop. We're not leaving any space in behind. Ranieri tried to play out, and it didn't work. Um, Club Puyol had a go. Possession went up, but the counter-attack, and Brendan Rodgers has now got that balance working well. Well, you know, after watching these lads for a season, or half a season now, still... The mind boggles what they mm. are doing, and uh, like I say, they're just thriving off it. Look, Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen Klopp will get Manager of the Year if they win the Premier League. But geez, you wouldn't have many complaints if Chris Wilder did get no, Manager of the Year. It's been it's outstanding. It's, it's a unique style, you know. Liverpool, yes, they're very, very good and very efficient at what they do. But we know exactly what they do. You know, it's a four-three-three, really high uh, full-backs playing as wingers, and and that's kind of been around for a few years. But what's definitely happened with Sheffield United is he's created something that nobody's ever used before. And it's very, very unique, very hard to play against. And it's getting, obviously, results in what, the sixth, fifth, or whatever they are in the Premier League. So that's fantastic for a club of their size coming up from the Championship to be in that position. And teams now are fearing them. You know, you speak to people from Manchester United that played them recently, and, and their analysts are studying them, thinking... You know, we've got to be careful of Sheffield United. Normally, it's the other way around. Well, yeah, Sheffield United fans, they'll be hoping it just continues on into the new year. But this is going to be probably our last gig and pot of the year because, of course, the next couple of weeks, midweek is festive season, Boxing Day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day. Fantastic time to, to fill your boots and have a, have a good time and then watch a bit of Premier League either side of that. So, gents, in the spirit of that, I'm going to ask you, looking at the Premier League, Christmas wish list time or New Year's resolution time, depending if you're going to get a gift or if you need to fix something, depending which way you can look at it. I'm just going to bounce off the top six and see what we need to do. Liverpool, well, I think I know what their Christmas wish list is. They, they don't need to fix too much. They've just got one big present I hope the big man's delivering. Well, all they want, they're top at Christmas. They just want Santa Claus to come again at the end of May. I think uh, they just want Mourinho to... Stay as he is, stay humble, and not be uh, the Mourinho that can derail you if he starts speaking about himself and his ego. That's true. That's true. How long? How long does Mourinho's Christmas spirit last? I don't know. But Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool's. Gr- cur- <laughs> I got. He's going to turn into the Grinch in January. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. Well, Liverpool hope the Grinch stays away because he, he's come for them a couple of times over the last twenty years. Um, Manchester City, Manchester City wish list. Um, poor. <laughs> get back to basics and get back to winning ways. Um, they are. They are desperate for the Champions League. They're hoping that he, he delivers another trophy um, at Christmas. But their, their wish list, they need some players back from injuries well at the back. I think they've really struggled with the injuries. So um, I think get them some cotton wool, get them get them some nice little um, what we, herbal tablets or whatever. Just get them fit. Yeah, I think uh, a central defender, if they can get yep. some in January, and then uh, no more injuries, because that's what's killing them. 
I'm going to throw, I left them out just then, but people don't call them the, the big six, but it would be unfair if I didn't. Leicester. Ooh. Vardy, not to get injured. Yeah. If he goes, season over. Simple as that. You can't replace some goals. They haven't got anything else that can come in and do that. So uh, wrap Vardy up in cotton wool and uh, give him as many days off as he needs. And hope that Brendan Rodgers doesn't go and get a new haircut and a new set of teeth <laughs> and a new motorbike like he did when he was a Liverpool manager on the documentary, which derailed him. Absolutely. Play on if you're Stay a Leicester down fan. down <laughs> Chelsea. You know what Chelsea's like? I, I was, what was I, 14. And my birthday's in August. And there was something that I wanted. My mom and dad couldn't afford it. And I sacrificed Christmas present. That Christmas coming, I said, can I double up and get this thing in August? So I knew I wasn't getting a Christmas wish list. Guess what? My mom and dad actually delivered, oh, sorry, Santa Claus delivered something (laughs) on Christmas Day, which I never thought I was getting. This is exactly what has happened to Chelsea. They had transfer window saga, weren't allowed to sign anybody. And guess what? Santa has come and delivered so go and spend what you can would you spend um i think you got to be careful of of the players that have got you there now uh, you've got a loyalty to them because they no one would have uh, thought they would have got where they were you don't want to upset that and if you do bring someone in it'll it'll be someone that gets dripped uh, dripped into the team can't come over then it's an impact because you know who do you drop you know tammy abraham's on fire mason mount's on fire you know they Everybody really has, has pulled their weight, so you've got to be careful of derailing that spirit. Um, but if they want to go to the next level, they are going to need uh, reinforcements. You can't afford to lose Tammy Abraham. You know, you've got Giroud, who's not going to come and set the world on fire. So for me, they need a number nine, but it has to be the right one. Yeah, probably some defensive cover too, you'd suspect. And uh, just make sure Frank Lampard passes his big first test as, as a manager. We we Chelsea fans do hope. Um, you mentioned Tottenham and the Grinch earlier, Mourinho. Um, is that what you're wishing for? Bridgie, or just, something else? No, just just for him to stay happy for the rest of the season. Just stay in the Christmas spirit until May. Don't turn into the Green Grinch. Be good. Arsenal, is the wish list long enough? Oh, my... No. Can you imagine that, you imagine that wish list coming through Santa's front door when he reads it and just going... Um, they'll be wishing that uh, there's no Wi-Fi for Mesolozzle. <laughs> That's what their wish is. <laughs> and we will leave that there. Get him over to India with me. You struggle for connection there. <laughs> Manchester United, Bridgie. Manchester United with a wish list um, to see if they can handle Pogba. Can Santa get him on his sleigh and just take him away somewhere back to the North Pole just till the end of the season or can they cash in? And uh, like we talked about earlier, that it's a tough one. United want that Champions League spot on a serious note. That That's what they are going for. And in Solskjaer, the way they've, they've got the momentum... Um, the, you know, a bit of Christmas spirit, will, as long as the lads keep off the pies, they might have a chance. Yeah, I think it's uh, wish list would be win the Europa League, so then a guaranteed Champions League. That's the only way. Mourinho did it, and uh, they need to do that again. Brilliant. Uh, any other standout things from across the league that you want to mention for the, the might be in Santa's sack, or that you might need to look in the mirror and change what you're doing? Mm. I can't think of anything to hand. Me, personally, just want to see Man City back to where they are. Um, but I think it's a long way off now. If I had to wish anything, it's that, uh, which you don't like to say, but I've put myself in it now, Salah and uh, Mane get injured, which is a, a poor wish, but as a Man City fan, that's what you want. Oh, man, he's just lost a load of <laughs> Liverpool followers there, by the way. Wow, that has put the cat amongst the pigeons. Well, last year, poor old Luke Wilkshire apologised for saying Liverpool wouldn't win anything, and he, he copped it for weeks after. Yeah. So if anyone makes it this late in the podcast, good luck, Ash. Um <laughs> <laughs> New Year's resolution? Yeah? Is that what you're asking? Yeah? Go for it. I'm just personal one. Six kilos less. I'm going to lose weight, Dave. 
There you go. Right, the, put myself out there. The Gegenpod the regime begins. Ninety kilos. I want to be down eighty-four. We're on the record. All right, deal. We're not going to do it on air, though. <laughs> no, no, no. But we can just say, as, we'll just as we do a gig and pod, I can say, right, what, what weight I'm at, because I've just been given a new little program by Ash, which looks fantastic. So, right. I'm going to give it a go. So there's going to be a bit, bit, bit more room on the couch next year than when we do the Champions League shows, right? You cheeky bastard. <laughs> Biggest couch we've ever seen <laughs> as well. Look like sardines on there. <laughs> Yes, I will. <laughs> you walked into that one. Sorry. Uh, well, this we're going to wrap up. It's a massive weekend as ever. It all begins Saturday night. Everton and Arsenal, a game we talked about earlier on in the show. Who will be the manager in this one? 10.30 p.m. coverage, Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Optus Sport. Norwich against Wolves, 1.50 a.m. alongside Newcastle against Crystal Palace. Brighton against Sheffield United. Aston Villa against Southampton. Bournemouth and Burnley, and then the big one at 4.30am in the morning. While Flamingo are playing Liverpool in Qatar, you've got Manchester City against Leicester. Both those games on off the sport to start your Sunday. Watford, Manchester United kicks off Monday night's procedures at midnight, and then Monday morning, 3.30am, Tottenham against Chelsea. What a suite of fixtures to look forward to, guys. What are you most looking forward to? I guess the two verse three, that's the headline. It's incredible. And is it Liverpool play Leicester not long after that as well? So that, you know, when the top three are playing each other, just think like you say, Liverpool away and you've got your your two challenging teams playing each other. What a game that is going to be. And I'm going to go for City to win that one. Tottenham Chelsea derby. That's always a, a good one. Um, and like you mentioned, obviously Everton, Arsenal could be a, a lot riding on it for managers going back to all clubs. By the way, Lampard against Mourinho. By the way, what's your thoughts? It's your team, Chelsea playing. Um, it's it's a massive test for Lampard now. I'm really interested how he rides it because defensively there's been problems. Haven't been able to find that balance and, and the attack has just started to stilt for the first time in a while. So keeping the faith massively, but very interested how he rides this and what the club does. And what reception will Mourinho get? Nah, no. After 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 what he did with United, mm-hmm. it's kind of broken there. Right. Um, what I'm really interested in is how the two of them receive each other as well, because it was really interesting on our other podcast, Two Sharp Reds, with Mark Schwarzer. He talked about how Mourinho felt when Frank Lampard went to Manchester City. Now I know they've patched it up; they played each other when they were at Derby and Manchester United last year. But anywhere he goes, there just some, seems to be this amazing subplot, and and here we've got another magnificent one. He's definitely going to turn to Grinch, Ash. You were oh, right. Could do if, uh, if he gets done there. There's all spoil. kinds of permutations. This could spoil everything. Oh, dear idea. Amazing stuff. Amazing theatre. So much to watch. Gents, thanks for popping in. Thanks for your time today. Merry Christmas to all the listeners and to yourself and Ash. Have a good one, boys, and all the best for 2020. Absolutely. Yep, happy new year. You said it's the last one, so uh, next time we speak will be... Uh, well, another decade over. Exactly. And exactly. I'll be two stone later. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. Kilos, kilos. Good luck with that, Bridgie. And to everyone out there, as we said, so much football to enjoy. And as ever, a Merry Christmas to you and yours. And Happy New Year. And until the next Gagan Pod, enjoy all that football on Optus Sport. <laughs> <laughs>